Welcome to the Jason Claus Show. I'm Jason Claus, your host, and today we're talking about, as always, good ideas for busy managers. Well, welcome to the show. My name is Jason Claus. This is the Jason Claus Show, and this is a podcast dedicated to busy managers, helping them to find good ideas to work with their teams. My experience is the best managers out there, they're idea collectors. They're always on the lookout for great ways to build culture, to help their teams learn more, get the skills that they need, get to where they need to be. And that's what this show is about. It's about finding those ideas and sharing those ideas. Got a great show for us today. I'm interviewing an old friend. His name's Rich Stimbra. And among other things, he collaborates with an organization called the San Francisco Comedy College. I was a student there years ago and learned how to do stand-up comedy. And just like anything else, there's a process that you apply to write jokes and create jokes and be funny. And I think it's applicable to the business world because I use this all the time. Those skills that I picked up there, I use in sales meetings or in in one-on-ones with my team because laughter and comedy, it's the great grease that just greases those skids and allows us to relate to one another. And so Rich spent a little bit of time with me in an interview just kind of talking about comedy and, and about his experiences. And I hope you find the, the episode something that, uh, that's useful and, and, and entertaining because who doesn't want to learn about how to make people laugh? The crib notes are, if you want to stop right now, anybody's funny. Anybody can be funny if you can just learn the tools. We're going to get into the interview right after this. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about an organization called 10,000 Windows. 10,000 Windows is a not-for-profit organization that's dedicated to opening up 10,000 Windows of Opportunity, for women that have been rescued from human trafficking. Someone that's been rescued from a situation like this needs a lot of training to reacquire the skills or to acquire the skills that are going to help that person rebuild her life. When it comes right down to it, I thought this was an appealing idea for you because this is what you do day in and day out with your team. You help your people acquire the skills they need to be successful. And that's what 10,000 Windows is doing one window at a time. I'd encourage you to check out their website. It's www.10,000windows.org. There's a video there. I hope you'll watch it. I hope that it'll inspire you. And I hope you'll join me. And maybe together, we can help this organization open a couple of additional windows. Rich, thank you for joining. My guest today is Rich Dimbra. My pleasure. Among many other things, Rich was involved with a group years ago called the San Francisco Comedy College. That's where I met him. And it was about 10 years ago that we met. Um, and I don't know if you realize that or not. I realized that while we were, I was preparing for the, for the interview. Yeah, 10 um, years. It's a long time. In addition yeah. In addition to teaching me how to do comedy, the San Francisco Comedy College was also where I met my wife. 
So huh? I have very fond feelings about uh, uh, about Curtis and, and Melissa and and, and Rich, and uh, it is my pleasure to to introduce you today to talk about the the business of comedy, the process of comedy performance and and writing, and I think there's a lot of applicability to the business world and and leading, and um, I'm just really glad you could join. So thanks, Rich. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's an honor to be on your show. Well, that's cool. Well, me and 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 the seven people that are listening are glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I should just say hi to each one of the list them off by name. Yeah, you should. You, you, <laughs> you mean 7,000 people. I'm hoping there's 70, more than 000. seven, but there's seven I know for sure. Oh, good. Anyway. Okay. But Rich, why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, as you know, my name is Rich Stimbra. I was assistant director of the SF Comedy College for a number of years, probably, oh man, close to eight or nine years. And sometime in around 2011, 2012, I branched off and I started uh, booking comedy shows on my own. And uh, so I'm still affiliated with the Comedy College, but I don't run the day-to-day -day aspect and I don't teach classes anymore like I used to. Uh, but I do book comedy shows uh, all over the country and in uh, Canada and uh, hopefully worldwide eventually soon. Um, and that's uh, that's been really rewarding, fulfilling part of my life. And on the side, I do... Um, uh, social media marketing too, which uh, uh, I find just comedy seeps in everywhere, and having a sense of humor when you're doing social media marketing uh, helps uh, a lot as well. Yeah, it, it's social media being maybe one of the prime ways you build a brand as a comic too. I would imagine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're constantly it's 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 uh, you know letting people see see the the product you know yourself, your comedy, your sense of humor before they choose to opt in or buy or work with you. Uh, you know they they do their research, their due diligence. Yeah, it's a big part of it, and social media is the, the, the tool. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah. one of the things that, that I want to get to um, it, maybe in a, in a couple of minutes is the, is the booking piece. Um, mm -hmm. My company, Insight, we've been your customer for a lot of years. You've put, on, yeah. you've put on shows at our office. You've put on shows in San Francisco. We've gone to other places. Mm -hmm. You've always been able to, to line up a, 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 a really eclectic mix of local comics that have kept the group in stitches and it's always been something that everyone's looked forward to so oh, um appreciate. we'll be looking forward to the next one i don't know when it probably christmas but we'll, we'll yeah see. usually uh, uh christmas time yeah i know you guys were at the uh the now now defunct uh pyramid brewery i guess they closed down their location that was near your offices yeah it's sitting empty now Nobody yeah something in it Areas, oh. the areas you know, you're redeveloping so quickly. Oh, Something's going to go in there sooner or later. Pop up and disappear all the time. Yeah. 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 Well, so what I want to do, I want to talk about the process of, of writing comedy and performing comedy. And I remember my journey through it, but, you know, as the master, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe give us an overview of, but, well, let me, let me just kind of back up, right? <laughs> I listened to an interview prior to finding the comedy college where I heard Chris Rock talking about calling up David Spade and telling him a joke and David Spade calling him back and saying, nah, that's not funny. And it, that's when it dawned on me. These guys just don't stand up there and, 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 and make everybody laugh, mm -hmm. right? This is a, this is a long, long process that they go through. Um, both, mm -hmm. you know, both emotional and, and artistically and, 
it's it's right. uh, it, it's it's what made me kind of start looking for you guys. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was looking for you, but you know that's how, that's how I got to you because you kind of pick up with that and kind of take it, you know, kind of take it, you know, down the, <laughs> d- down into the curriculum that you that you used to teach. Sure, sure, yeah. And uh, I I found the comedy college the same way you did. I I started uh, thinking about getting on stage and performing, and then I started doing my research and and lurking in the backs of comedy clubs and open mics and seeing if it was something I wanted to do. And then I did realize, too, there was a whole structure. I mean, you never see, uh, especially at an open mic, I guess, a comedian go on stage without some kind of notepad or or if they're going to record their set so they can look at it or listen to it later and go over their stuff. And it is a a process. And the comedy college uh, was a place where it was a uh, uh, teaching you to to hone your skills as a comedian. Uh, it was kind of like a gym where you got to work out in a safe environment, but also uh, the comedy college taught you how to uh, write uh, jokes, uh, but also write them from a personal point of view, making your point of view funny, not not something you heard about uh, airplane food and going, I, I got to write a joke about airplane food, even though it's something I'm not passionate about. You you, we, uh, the comedy college always try to teach people how to talk about what is important to them, be it, uh, you know, being schizophrenic or, or having an eating disorder or being depressed or being uh, a super wealthy startup, uh, uh, entrepreneur who just wants to do dabble in comedy. Um, <clears throat> you know, comedy college has seen all aspects of it, you know, uh, priests and hookers and all attending the same class and, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and politicians and, uh, there, there's just been a whole slew of people who've come through there. And, uh, I, I think it's, it's uh, pretty cool. If it's not something you want to do professionally, at least it becomes a fun hobby or a way, uh, to explore yourself. And I think it's probably cheaper than therapy. <laughs> so I know, uh, I know I found that to be the case. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes being on stage too is a uh, very, very therapeutic getting, getting stuff out, working out yeah. all the demons. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the construct of a joke? You know, first story, second story, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, jokes are broken down into first story and second story, where you you have to you, you, jokes sort of establish a, a pattern or, or an expectation. So you have a a first story is where you set up an expectation, uh, and and the second story what causes you to laugh is uh, the audience is thinking you're going to go one way, and then you go the opposite way or in a different direction, and that causes a laughter. Uh, one of the the standard, the the teaching jokes that the, they use at the comedy colleges. Uh, uh, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to die in a in a hospital. I want to I want to pass away in my sleep, just like my grandfather. Uh, too bad for the other four passengers in the car. You know, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, it just uh, it, it changes the direction. You know, it's a, it's a cliche joke now, but uh, it, it demonstrates it perfectly. Or uh, what is it? Jaja Gabor said. Uh, I'm a great housekeeper. Every time I get divorced, I keep the house, you know, and, and it just, (laughs) you know, you expect one thing, housekeeper interpretation, you know, cleaning the house with a broom and then housekeeper actually keeping a house, owning the title of a house and after divorce, you know, so that's, that's the basic structure of comedy. And then you weave in and out of that, you know, you do tags and, and callbacks and, and, you know, different types of setups or even a punchline can be a look, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Eddie Lazard did that, uh-huh. where he would just look at the audience. Yeah, and that yeah, was and that was the callback. He would he just he just kind of look at it and be like, "No, I'm I'm lying." And that was yep. it. You know, he's telling you something that's supposed to be the truth, and no, I'm lying. And he would just get mm-hmm. laugh after laugh after laugh. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 the audience is if they're on the ride for you with you, and and you're doing it uh, right, and you've got a strong point of view, 
they will they will go on it with you. And then it's like you're 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 becoming friends. You're telling them into the story. When you do a callback to a time earlier in in just that you know 30 minute set or an hour long set, it's like you're 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 reminiscing with them. Hey, remember when I said that that funny thing? And they go, Oh my God, yeah, I totally remember that. And and they laugh with you. Right. And that's what uh, you, you, you taught me that that's what an inside joke is. Right? Mm-hmm. An inside joke is basically just a callback when you're sitting around the water cooler and, and you know, Johnson over in accounting, he, he did that thing two years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just like Johnson. You know, all the context around uh-huh. that is what constitutes your first story. And the, mm-hmm. and the callback is that second story that kind of, cre- you know, breaks the tension and, and, and makes the makes the group laugh. Yeah. It's exactly true. And also it, it, uh, what it does too, is it economizes the words you use. So, so you maximize the amount of funny in the time that you have on stage. So when you can Mm -hmm. establish a callback, you don't have to do the setup or the punchline anymore. I mean, all you do is the punchline and that's it. And, and, and people will laugh again and having remembered it or, uh, the same with a, with a tag is a different punchline to the same setup. Um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I used to, I used to know one back when I was teaching more, but uh, you, know, right. you have the setup, you have the punchline, and then you have another punchline. You pause, let it laugh, and add another punchline, and keep going. And uh, it, it, you can just, you know, tag away at a joke, and and it, and the audience it just, you know, kills them, and it, and you economize your words. Right. Well, there was a there. There's a takeaway I want to kind of tease out here, and it's the mm-hmm. it's the piece of the first story, right? Mm-hmm. The your setup or the or the first story. We're always doing that anyway. Yeah. Right. This is a this is a business podcast. In the business world, we are constantly encoding messages and saying mm-hmm. things and talking in meetings. And one of the things that I was able to learn and one of the things that I use every day mm-hmm. is I'm aware of the fact that the things that I'm saying are first stories. Right, right. And I've learned to sort of recognize first stories that might make really good mounting points for a second mm-hmm. story to get to get a laugh point. Yeah, um, yeah, and it can help with the something self-deprecating or or, uh-huh. or something like that. I, um, but and I and I'm struggling to think of a of an example off the top of my head right now, so I'm not even going to try. But <laughs> but I've learned to do that. Um, right, and, and I, it puts your clients more at ease. You know, uh, the, that's the, the next place I was going to go. Can you talk a little bit about why is it? Do you think that it's why do we as a as a species or as a why is it so important to us to laugh, right? It's universal. Mm-hmm. So why, yeah. in your opinion, as a practitioner of the dark art, I'm stealing your thunder. I'm sorry. <laughs> the dark arts of humor. <laughs> um, How, yeah. Well, why uh, yeah. Like, is, why is that? Do you think? Well, uh, uh, yeah. Like I just said, like the the putting someone at ease uh, sh- when you're when you're ex- experiencing laughter when you're being humorous. It 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 shows. Uh, in a, an agreeable uh, nature, you're 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 not a threat. You're here as a friend. I'm I'm making you laugh. And then when somebody else laughs with you, they're they're put more at ease. Um, and I've heard, uh, which is interesting, that that you you have a better uh, ability to retain information when you're in an agreeable mood. And it's I think that that might go to the fact that a lot of people have such an easy time. Uh, recalling jokes that they heard maybe at a comedy club and they tell the jokes almost verbatim the next day, but they cannot remember what's on the Excel spreadsheet that, uh, you know, Bill from accounting handed them yesterday. You know, it, right. it's, it's, uh, you're, 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 you soak in information better when you're laughing and in, in, in a good nature, you, you 
are, are happier with people, you're, you're more agreeable, it, it greases the wheels, so to speak. Yeah, and that's really cool. Yeah, yeah we could talk about this for hours, so, but we're not going to. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I promise you, we're not gonna talk about it for hours. Um, Day two of the <laughs> marathon right. podcast. Here we are that's still talking right. about comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and we will have lost all seven listeners at that point. <laughs> the uh, marathon. It's called the Guinness Book of World. What I want to talk about now, I want to kind of change gears, and I want you to talk a little bit about the inner critic and the performance space. Mm-hmm. Right, the, it's in a very, you know, writing jokes is one thing. Getting up uh-huh. in front of an audience and performing those jokes is quite another. Mm-hmm. And talk about that a little bit because i think a lot of the a lot of the people that listen to this podcast they have to get up in front of people they also right. have to struggle because we all do Com- comedians yeah. aren't the only ones that struggle with the inner critic mm-hmm. right? there's a very interesting switch of it though right the inner critic right. for a non-comedian is mm-hmm. everybody's going to laugh at you in a bad way Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right. my that my inner critic is always t- telling me you're not smart enough, you're not good enough. That's a very silly idea. No one's going to do that, right? And you're just right. going to look foolish. Mm-hmm. For a comedian, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, this is not funny. <laughs> you are not yeah, clever. They're not going to laugh at me. <laughs> they're not going to find this right. silly. <laughs> That's right. You were yeah, you, you take were, too seriously. Way too late at night when you wrote that joke. Don't even tell it. Talk, right. Talk right, about right. that process and, and what you taught the what, what you taught at the college to to kind of overcome that. Uh, well, like anything, uh, working on a muscle, you know, you're going to be sore in the beginning. You're going to be beating yourself up like crazy when you get on stage. And uh, every comedian the, the, from, you know, Chris Rock to, to Jerry Seinfeld has been on stage when they're just starting out to crickets, you know, nobody laughing or heckling and and people just you know, not not getting into what they're saying, and, and these comedians beat themselves up, and and the inner critic is there. The inner critic is the one who's telling you you can't do this. Don't don't even attempt it. You're going to get hurt. You're going to feel rejected. Nobody's going to laugh. The inner critic is actually, it's it's your it's there to help you, but it's like a little monster that needs to be tamed. And so you have to learn to work with the inner critic. The the, the inner critic is going to tell you all your jokes are bad, but it might give you some valuable feedback as well. So at the Comedy College, we taught you to work with that inner critic. And one of the ways is to, we actually physically separated people during classroom structures, where you would stand in one place and say whatever was on your mind and and just stream of consciousness, don't censor yourself, no matter what topic you get into, just keep going. And then you would step physically into another area and then critique what you were saying. And, and that way you got to separate mentally as well as physically the inner critic and your performance self. And that was a, a, a way to kind of get your feet wet into separating the two, where uh, comedians on stage, they have this ability to, to not necessarily turn off the inner critic, but to dampen it to a point where it's just a whisper. And they can talk to the stage. They're not, they talk to the people from the stage. They're not uh, afraid of what they're going to say next. And the inner critic might only be there to guide them on what to say to a, a heckler or to make that callback, like the, the inner critic becomes a, a mechanism for timing. Comedy is all about timing, and the inner critic will step in and, and give you the right sense of timing on stage, but that's, that's the most it'll do. It, it won't tell you, stop, you're, you're not going to be funny, you're not good enough, get off the stage. You know, it won't tell you things like that. But that takes uh, practice, and, and you, you have to work that out just like any muscle. 
you know, few people are, are excited to do public speaking. <laughs> right. right. Well, it's, it, I, it's true, right? The, 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 the thing that's said over and over again is that there, most people would rather do, you know, they'd, they'd rather die than get up yeah, in front of a group yeah. and, and, and speak. <laughs> the only thing that could possibly be worse than that is having to get up in front of those people and speak and be funny. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? It's instant but, yeah. While you were talking here, I just looked up a, a, a quote that I found recently. Um, it's from Daniel Coyle, and it's, to get good, it's helpful to be willing or even enthusiastic about being bad. And I think that process yeah. that you were talking through just yeah. now kind of typifies that, right? And yeah. I know it's specific to you know uh, performing comedy, but I think it's got a lot of applicability just to life in general. Oh, my God, yeah. Startups in Silicon Valley, uh, all that stuff, you know, the, being being – Every time you fail, you're one step closer to success, you know, and, and you need to be enthusiastic about that failure. Like, okay, you know, I, I, I failed this time, but I'm, I'm just a little bit closer. Right. You know, you, yeah. you, you I, fail just, I just figured out 99 ways not to make a light bulb, right? Exactly. Like Thomas Edison, Edison stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, why don't you – so talk a little – can you tell a story? I, I mean I've told this story before to other people about the, the different comedy shows you, you've done for Insight. Uh -huh. um, but maybe just kind of talk about what you lined up, what it, you know, kind of what the costs were and what the experience, you know, well, I can, I can say that as the consumer, mm -hmm. every single time you've done one, the, it's just been fantastic, right? Thank you. Thank good you quality much. comics that have told, you know, that have, that have told jokes that make people laugh and just a, a good experience. And, and that's why we keep coming back. The, the thing is, is that I think a lot of times people look at that. And they would go, well, that's a very difficult thing to put together. And it's not. Mm -hmm. So could you just kind of walk through maybe one of the shows you did for us? Sure. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorites was uh, the one where you actually came into Insight itself, right in your headquarters. And we had uh, two comedians, Adam McLaughlin and Kellen Erskine. And it was um, just a blast. It was so uh, such an intimate setting. You know, people just rolled out their, their chairs from their desks and, and wheeled them out to the floor to the front of the area uh, you, you guys had some uh, uh, paper um, stands or, or some kind of advertisements for some other project you were doing. And, right. and the battleship. You remember that? We were playing the battleship game. That's yeah. right. That's what it was. And, yeah. and uh, it was it was so funny because Kellen did a callback to that, uh, uh, or he related some of his comedy to that that battleship thing that you guys were doing. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because it was on the spot. I mean, the, the best comedy uh, – the the biggest laughs you'll get, rather than the comedy that you spend hours and, and months and weeks uh, trying and, and creating and writing and honing, uh, the biggest comedy laughs will come that that something that happens in the moment, in the room that you're in, and people are aware that it happened. Like, he, Kellen looked at that Battleship thing. It did tie into one of his other bits, but he wove it in so perfectly that everybody was in stitches. It was so funny. Yeah. And they still That's talk fun. about it. Oh, man, yeah. The, the, other, the, the, the people that were there... That's one of the stories that they tell. Uh, every oh. time we that that board game was part of an annual theme that Insight does. Ah. Um, and every time we roll out the theme every year, we just did it. Uh -huh. Every time we roll out the theme, we tell the story about the battleship <laughs> game, how this comic was able to incorporate the game into his routine, and how it just uh -huh. had people peeing. It was so funny. It was so funny. Yeah. Because um, it was, was in the, the moment. moment. You know, you, you, yeah. it, it it tied in directly to what you guys were doing, and it it, it just. It was really like a, a almost a bonding experience with everybody. The comedian had instant intimacy with you guys. Uh, you know, he he was suddenly one of the team, one of the, one of your buddies because he tied it in so well. It was great. 
Right. But yeah, logistically. I don't remember. What was the budget for, for, for that? Do you remember? Uh, I think you guys have done, we've, we've kept it around a thousand bucks for at least the Christmas parties. And I think for the one we did at your headquarters, it was a little bit less than that, maybe $800 or something. So, you know, shows, uh, have different budgets and I try to piece together, um, what I can with it, with the budget I'm given. And, uh, I do that based on, you know, whatever the, the client's needs are or their background is as well as my relationship with the comedians. And so uh, <clears throat> sometimes I'm able to get really hot comedians who owe me a favor or just my buddies or just happen to be in the area. So I, I know their schedule. I know where they're going to be. I know uh, how to get them in to perform. And I, I, I kind of enjoy the whole aspect of just piecing together the perfect show for, for the event that I'm given. Yeah. Well, you've done a great job. And we're Thank you. include all your contact details in the, in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, you Appreciate you it. want to just give a quick, you know, want to give a quick plug of how people can contact you right now as well, because uh, that, that might be helpful. But how can people get a hold of you if, if this is something that they might want to take a look at? And I would highly suggest it from from a you know, team building or culture building sort of perspective. Yeah, there's a little better um, for this. And I, I think that if you, you ask anybody on our team, they would say that this was a really good investment and continues to be. So how, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, well, they can visit my website, www.sfccentertainment.com. And the SFCC is an acronym for San Francisco Comedy College. So sfccentertainment.com. Uh, they can reach me at the email address, rich at sfccentertainment.com. And that's rich, like R-I-C-H, Richie Rich, um, or uh, Get Rich Quick Scheme. Uh, and then if they uh, <laughs> And then, uh, you know, and we do uh, uh, corporate uh, uh, comedy as well as improv team building workshops too. And that's another great way to uh, establish a good bonding and communication with your teammates um, by by and and a fun way to learn uh, public speaking, presentation skills, thinking on your feet, uh, growing the bonds between your fellow teammates, all that stuff in an improv uh, team building workshop as well. So so that that's one thing we do too. And then if you happen to be in recovery. Uh, I, I, uh, I book shows for people who are in Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, that's at recoverycomedy.com. That's a se whole separate branch. Uh, full disclosure, I'm not in recovery, uh, but uh, the people who are on the site are. And uh, so you're, you're, you're still a raging drunk. <laughs> I'm still. I'm a discovering alcoholic. My blood type's <laughs> AA. <laughs> they, the, the doctor found, uh, found uh, uh, blood in my vodka stream. It was crazy. Oh, <laughs> He said, the only thing your bloodline Rich. needs is a splash of OJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What if, what if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, you know, that comedy college thing sounds, sounds like something I want to give a try. What can they do? Can uh, they can contact the SF Comedy College, uh, and that's uh, sfcomedycollege.com. Or uh, you can contact Curtis Matthews, the head of the SF Comedy College. He's... This is this is a joke unto itself, but he his email address is standupsf as in stand up San Francisco standupsf at aol.com. Believe it or not, so <laughs> use that use that aol uh, uh, and and make fun of him when you do. <laughs> but you can get a hold of him if you want to do do uh, comedy classes that way. Well, yeah, but they they've been going on strong since uh, two thousand and two thousand. Yeah, so seventeen years now the comedy college has been around. Seventeen years. That's awesome, and I'm really That's glad it's there. I, like I said, I, you know, my life has been impacted by it quite, quite profoundly. Right. Same here. Same here. Yeah. All right, yeah. my friend. He's well, the listen, spot. You've been 
Yeah, you've been really generous with your time. I'm 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 glad we could finally uh oh, finally make my this pleasure. happen. Yeah, but, thank you. Um, all right. Well, listen, we're uh we're 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 going to move on here. Okay. So, uh thanks so much, Rich. Hey, my pleasure, Jason. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, it's, it's been great talking to you again and I'm definitely, uh, you have a new subscriber now, so make that eight people listening to the show <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to tell, awesome. tell all eight people, uh, who, who I'm in contact with that they need to listen to this show as well. So thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Well, it's good talking to you, my friend. You take care. Okay. You too. All right. That was the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to thank Rich Dimbra again for, for joining and participating in the show. I really enjoyed doing it. It was great hanging out with you, Rich. I don't know what the next episode's going to be about. I'll get to work on it. I'll send something out. You can expect one next month. Maybe earlier. I don't know. Until next time, I hope my good friend Jesus blesses you with wisdom in your heart, peace in your spirit, and a lot of laughter in your belly. Until next time, take care. If you're still listening, you can help me out by heading on over to iTunes and leaving me a review. Better still... Forward this podcast to a friend, somebody that could use it. The more people that are listening and contributing ideas, the better the community is going to be. Last thing you could do if you want to, head on over to www.jasonclaws.com. From there, you can find the LinkedIn group. Join the LinkedIn group, man. I'd love to hear from you. love to hear your ideas. All right. Now for real, I'm done. <laughs>